Good evening and welcome to the EFL Review with me, Adam Davis, here on Three Valleys Radio. We're back with three very exciting leagues and plenty of fixtures for us to look forward to over the next hour in all of the usual format that we come to expect. As always, you expect the same level of insight, analysis and interviews that you come to expect, of course, every single week. We will start with the championship and we'll start with the lunchtime Yorkshire Derby. And that finished Leeds United 4, Huddersfield Town 1. Third place Leeds returned to winning ways by walloping Huddersfield in the Yorkshire Derby. Dan James and Crescencio Somerville scored two goals apiece in the first half as the hosts ensured a fourth straight home win before Michael Hellick's consolation. The Terriers had lost two of their previous 14 Yorkshire derbies that had not conceded in their last three. But Darren Maud's side were disappointing and remained one place above the drop zone. Daniel Farker made four changes to the lead side, which lost 1-0 at Stoke on Wednesday, with James and Somerville recalled, along with Jamie Shackleton and Glenn Kamara. Moore made three changes from the side, beaten 4-0 at home by Cardiff on Tuesday, with Tom Edwards, Tom Lees and Brahima Diara all coming in. Town striker Delano Bergzorg fired a low shot past the ball at base of Ilan Melier's upright inside 10 minutes, but it proved a false dawn as Joel Peroy had the close-range effort disallowed for offside soon after Leeds began to click into gear. The deadlock was broken on 20 minutes when Jorginho Rutter's delightful pass freed Somerville to drive forward from midfield before finding James on his right to curl a superb low shot into the bottom corner from the edge of the penalty area. It was 2-0 just after the half-hour mark when Peroy found Somerville, who jinked his way in from the left of the box before firing in a low shot which beat the unsighted Lee Nichols. The third arrived just three minutes later from another devastating counter-attack, with Peroy and Rutter combining to free Somerville. He rolled a pass into the path of the marauding James, who controlled and fired home another low shot with a similar position to his first. It was four in first half stoppage time when Rutter burst down the left before cutting back to Somerville, who faked a shoot onto his right before sweeping a low left-footed shot into the bottom corner. Town withdrew Edwards and Diara at the interval and improved after the break, though Leeds also took their foot off the gas. Bergsorg was crowded out and was uh, after being played through before Hellick tapped home a consolation after Melier spilled a swerving long-range strike from Sorber Thomas. It was the Polish's defender for, uh, Polish defender's fourth goal of the season, a team high. Much to be fixed for Darren Moore there. But we'll have our first interview of the night and we'll make sure that it's Leeds United boss, Daniel Farker. Thanks very much, Daniel. You'll have a smile on your face after what you've seen there, I think, today, won't you? Yes, definitely, because I think, in the f- especially in the first half, you could feel what it meant uh, uh, for us today. First of all, local derby, we wanted uh, to win this game, then was to show reaction uh, to the uh, Stoke result. And yes, I think brilliant first half, electrifying uh, performance. And then a bit more game management control in the in the second half. Um, overall, a well-deserved, well-deserved win. And uh, yes, to react after a loss straight away with a good performance and a really good result is, uh, is always the best. And for that, we are happy. That's the best 45 minutes of the season so far, isn't it? Well, all games uh, are different. I think it was electrifying, so we were unstoppable in the offense. I got a bit the feeling, uh, like in the last weeks, again, out of our dominance in the beginning, Hopefully we don't miss again too many chances, but then uh, you can't complain too much once you're funnel back, funnel up at, at halftime. Brilliant spells, 
the fourth goal, uh, uh, a role model of our football. So we played more or less 500 passes in the beginning, exhausted the opponent, and wait for the right moment to speed up the game. And then, yeah, perfect give and go with uh, Georgie and uh, Sam Byram. Perfect cutback and uh, a really good finish. So I think many, many situations were good. But even this first half, in our off rhythm, sometimes I got the feeling we allowed them also to have perhaps even a, too, uh, a few too many crosses in our uh, in our box. They were also one or two times uh, in behind our uh, last row. So even this was not was not perfect, and uh, we had even a bit more dominance in the uh, uh, in the second half. But uh, sadly, we didn't take this energy in, in our offensive work. We had also to uh, change a few times. But overall, I think regarding it was the third game within seven days, really good performance and uh, top win. Yeah, and goal scorers get headlines and plaudits, but other people sometimes do some work. I mean, Jorginho at times in that first half was a joy to watch, was he not? Yes, at times he was. Uh, at times he was unplayable, uh, unbelievable. Was also uh, involved in each and every goal with assists or winning of the ball or great work uh, before to keep the ball. Um, top top performance, and if we put such a shift in, then. Uh, the teammates can uh, can uh, take the benefit, and sometimes it's you you have to uh, to work unbelievably hard. And the next time, uh, it's uh, it's your teammate. So if everyone buys into it and and gives so much work in it, then we can be successful as a team. And for that, was definitely a team success. Apologies for the unusual audio there. Not entirely sure what happened, but we are back to full strength. Southampton three, Birmingham City one. Wayne Rooney's dismal start to life as Birmingham City manager continued as his side suffered a third consecutive championship defeat at the hands of Southampton. The new Blues boss can take some heart from the second half fight back by his team after they had gone behind to goals from Taylor Harwood-Bellis, which replays show to be offside, and Carlos Alcaraz. Jay Stansfield pulled a goal back moments after being sent on as a substitute by Rooney, but Adam Armstrong's eighth goal of the season, five minutes from time, ensured it was 14 points from the last 18 for Southampton. Blackburn Rovers nil, Swansea City won. Liam Cullen scored a first half winner for Swansea City and got back on track with victory at inconsistent Blackburn Rovers. Cullen curled home in the 28th minute as the Swans back back from a successive championship defeat with three points at Ewood Park. Carl Rushworth made a couple of saves from Sammy Schmodix after the interval as Blackburn threatened for an equaliser. But Rovers lost after three successive wins and are now 12th, one point and one place ahead of the Swans. Cardiff City 2, Bristol City 0. Perry and G continued his goal-storing streak and Ruben Colville produced a fine individual goal late on as Cardiff claimed victory in the seven-side derby. Defender and G struck for the second successive game and the third time in six matches, with a first half header which looked like settling a contest which was full of endeavour but lacked clear cut chances. But substitute Colville produced a rare moment of class to seal the points in stoppage time as he danced between two defenders down the left flank before smashing a shot high into the net. Former glover Harry Cornick had Bristol City's clearest sight of goal but was denied by Jack Annick. Errol Bullets Cardiff have won five of their last seven home championship fixtures this season, meaning they're already just one short of their final tally of league triumphs on this ground in the 22-23 season. That sharp upturn in home form, the Bluebirds extended their unbeaten run on their patch to six games, is key to growing feeling of optimism at Cardiff about their prospects for this campaign. 
Bristol City, meanwhile, are left searching for improvement, having succumbed to a fifth defeat in their last seven games. Nigel Pearson's team dropped to 15th in the table, while Cardiff climbed to 5th. It's gone so well, in fact, for Bristol City. After following that 5th defeat in 7 matches, Nigel Pearson has since been relieved of his role as manager. So, we won't be focusing on him. Let's listen to a variety of players and managers connected to Cardiff City, starting with Errol Bullard. Uh, it was not an easy game, uh, because after the last game, where we won 4-0 against Huddersfield, uh, we should continue. I said to my team, we cannot uh, stay there and celebrate uh, So, because we won 4-0. Uh, we have to continue the work. And today, again, uh, hard and uh, good work and good result for my team. Uh, I'm glad to, to see from, uh, from the player this performance today. To be honest with you, I thought we had quite a bit of control in the first half as well. Uh, we just had to be. We just had to try and um, recover from going a goal down. I, I think it's about being positive at all times. Like I said, I don't think there was anything in the game really. Two sides who weren't really playing with uh, a great deal of creativity. Um, but like I say, we conceded two goals from our own possession. And uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, after the Blackburn defeat, I think we bounced back really good against Huddersfield and then we've come here. This place is hard to come now and yeah, we just need to keep it up. Yeah, yeah it's been a tough period for me, obviously fitness-wise, injury-wise, and then building myself back and trying to get back in the team and do what I was doing maybe a year and a half ago has been really tough. But I feel in a good place now, my body physically, training every day, I feel like I'm getting better every day and back to where I know I can be. So I was, I think, clear uh, what I want from from my from those two players, from uh, Robinson and from uh, Colwell because offensively they are good. How today we saw again from uh, Colwell great, great goal. Robinson last week uh, played well, scored. Also today he worked a lot. Uh, defensively they are doing much much better than before. Uh, this I am expecting because uh, we are 11 on the field, and I don't. I need uh, 11 players, not 10 players on the field. You know when you win away from home. Uh, if you can win uh, at home as well and get six points, actually that's what we did. It's really, really good. So that win uh, at Edersfield was really good, and uh, we won today. So six points in a few days. That's perfect. So obviously that's my goal. I really want to be part of the first team. Obviously I had a, a good spell earlier on uh, in my career, but um, yeah, I've been playing with the 21s, really enjoying it. It's really, really good for my football. Um, I learn a lot when I go away. The the boys are great, and we have some really good training sessions, really good games that I feel like I, I improve a lot from and it's really helped me this season to keep the minutes up and, and keep playing. So I, I do really enjoy the 21s, obviously, like you said, the goal is to get back in the goal scene, so. It was nice. Uh, I caused my aim in the box, so just luckily it landed on my head. What's next after the scream of midweek and the header today? What, what's going to make a third? <laughs> You're getting some of me. Hey, what do you think of this man? Two goals in two. Man, I don't know what's going on with this guy, but I like what I'm seeing, yeah? Just keep going, man. Thank you, bro. We all know that it's uh, really, really important that uh, everyone needs to be focused even when they're not playing or what they, they, they're coming on. And that's exactly what they did and uh, they're training hard every day. And uh, Callum had his goal uh, a few days ago and today is ribbon, so everyone is happy for him. And uh, I just hope we, 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 we're going to keep going. Really. They understand it, what, what I want, uh, because I'm honest to my players, straight. So I don't tell them anything else. I tell them exactly what I want from each player. 
Hull City 1, Preston North End 0. Hull edged out Preston to move into the Championship top six at the expense of the out-of-form opponents at the MKM Stadium. A tepid game failed to get through, uh, get going until midway into the second half, when Hull made the breakthrough courtesy of Jaden Fomenji. His goal came after he raced into the box and, as Preston failed to close him down, he fired in left-footed off the post. The result means Preston's winner's run now extends to seven games as they drop to eighth, while Hull move into sixth position thanks to a second win on the bounce. Ipswich Town 3, Plymouth Argyle 2. Ipswich held on to earn a 3-2 win over a dogged Plymouth Argyle side to consolidate second in the championship. Morgan Whitaker's superb early curling effort put the Pilgrims ahead, and Ipswich were lucky to keep George Edmondson on the field when he was brought down Mustafa Bundu when he was clear on goal. But as the hosts upped the pressure, they were had got a fortuitous equaliser, as Massimo Luongo's back heel from a corner was diverted past Argyle keeper Michael Cooper by teammate Bally Mumba. Town went ahead when George Hurst calmly finished after an error by Dan Scar, before Marcus Harness made it 3-1, coming after the visitors went down to 10 men, due to Bundu going off injured, with no substitution windows remaining for the Pilgrims. Argyle skipper and former Glover Joe Edwards converted a Mumba cutback from the byline in stoppage time to set up a nervy finish, but Ipswich ultimately held on. The win extends Ipswich's unbeaten run to 11 games in all competitions, while Argyle slip to 19th. Let's hear from uh, Plymouth, uh, not Plymouth Argyle, from Ipswich Town boss, Kieran McKenna. Kieran, thank you for talking to us live on Town TV. A 3-2 win. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it was um, a tough game. I think they probably both teams showed why they had such good seasons last season, to be fair. Two fully committed teams, um, lots of good players on the pitch uh, and a really tough game. Um, of course, the tone set with their scorer, you know, we have a big chance after a few minutes, don't take it, and their scorer, an absolute worldly, really, a few little details that we worked on that we could have done better, but it's, it's a wonder, wonderful goal, really. And um, that gives them the momentum and the energy for the game and, um, you know, made it, made it difficult. Um, and they defended with, you know, bodies on the line and um, full commitment and made it hard. Um, so I think credit to the boys in that instance for, you know, coming back and getting the three goals and... You know, we're, we're good value for the goals, really. I thought we had enough chances in the game. Um, but then having said that, I think we, we know defensively we weren't happy with the performance and um, there's things there that we need to do better. Um, but we're early in the season. If there was nothing that we needed to do better, then, you know, there'd be no reason to come in on Monday. So, um, yeah, a good game, good win, hard fought and, um, you know, one that we'll, we'll learn from. How did you think the lads responded to going behind? Because it was a bright start, as you say. And then also, what changed in terms of the discussions at half-time with the goal late in the first half? Um, it didn't change too much, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I thought we responded OK. Not, you know, not, not easy. They, they had a counter threat right through the game, really, and that's yeah. what the, you know, the thing they do very, very well. they got really talented players top end of the pitch, fast players, and they transition really well. So that was a threat, and you know, we, we created enough chances, but we weren't able to feel like we ever really had 100% control in the game and they always had that threat and, and that always keeps you on edge. Um, but yeah, we got the goal just before half-time, of course a good time to score. Um, it didn't change that much, we still knew it was going to be a tough second half and we would, um, you know, we would have to defend well to stop them scoring and we didn't really manage to do that bit well enough. Um, but having said that, again, we created some chances and got two goals and 
uh, another three goals at home, and, and that's a big positive. One of those chances, uh, George Hurst being played through, scored the second goal. Quality to that, you've admitted quality to, to their first goal, and sometimes that's what you need in a match, and he steps up with his one good chance of the game, really, well, other than the early one. <laughs> yeah, second, maybe. Um, yeah, a really good goal, you know, similar to his goal against... Uh, it was a Blackburn, really, mm -hmm. with a, yeah. a good double run in the left channel and a good pass. And um, yeah, it was a big goal for us and great for Marcus to get the third goal. And yeah, that's the frustration feeling is that should be game done then. And it never really felt like we were at that point. Um, but yeah, good quality for the goals. Again, we, we created plenty of chances, which we've done at home. Um, so there's, there's lots to be positive about. And the substitutes again coming on and massively playing their part, of course, Marcus on the score sheet, but the others as well were putting in the hard yards. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be massive. We we always speak about that, and there's very few games that any of our, especially the front lads, will will stay on the pitch for 90 minutes. And we know we have to work so hard, and you know you can swap in someone who come and do the same. So, yeah, we needed that fresh impetus. We, we've said, look, every time we have a Wednesday, Saturday, it feels like the game's been decided off the bench, and that's probably you know it's going to be the case most weeks, but um, especially going to be the case. When we have a midweek game, because it's it's unlikely you're going to go and blitz anyone then on the on a on a weekend. You don't have too much time to recover and prepare, and um, you're going to need to decide the game in the later stages. And that's why having the the squad all engaged and the subs ready to make a difference is massive. And you say it's not a perfect performance, but it's a perfect week in terms of the points return. What can the lads take from that mentally? I know you say that there's a lot of hard work to do, but that it's a real platform, isn't it? Yeah, look, I think any win in this division is very, very tough. Mm. You can see that every weekend. So to win two in the space of four days is um, is a big, big boost. Um, so, yeah, we, for sure we take the positives. We have to enjoy every victory. Some um, you know, great performances in there, some mixed performances, but you're not going to win a game in this division without doing a lot of things well, and we've done, we've done quite a lot of things well today. So, um, yeah, we take the positives from the week. We've got a different sort of week now to look forward to the Fulham game and um, you know, full focus on that come Monday. And finally, we talk about the moments of quality and uh, Vaclav Ladki coming up with the, with the big save again. Yeah, yeah, top save, the one from the header, mm. especially if what top, top save. Um, yeah, and he was excellent again in his all-round game. So, look, he's, he's been fantastic. We've got two, two top, top goalkeepers at the football club and um, Vaz is in terrific form and, and that's been massive for the team. Thank you, Kieran. Middlesbrough nil, Stoke City two. Middlesbrough's surge up the table was brought to an abrupt halt by Alex Neal's resurgent Stoke. Michael Carrick's side have won six on the trot to rise into the promotion reckoning, but first-half goals from Michael Rose and Metty Leris silenced the home fans at the Riverside. The win made it a hat-trick of Stoke victories against promotion hopefuls in a week after they saw off Leeds last weekend and Sunderland on Wednesday. Injury hit Borough failed to hit the form that they'd taken them up to ninth place and Stoke took full advantage to continue their own journey from the fringes of the relegation zone to 11th within sight of the top six. The Omens seemed to be in favour of the Teesiders following their remarkable run after a dreadful start had seen them bottom of the table when they lost five of their opening seven. A run of injuries has most certainly taken its toll, with influential midfielder Hayden Hackney the latest to be missing from the squad, and they ran into a Stoke side that had been found its belief and started to gel. Queen's Park Rangers 1, Leicester City 2. Harry Winks scored his first goal since January 2022, as Championship leaders Leicester left it late to beat 10-man QPR. 
Midfielder Winks struck in the 80th minute as the Foxes won a ninth league game in a row, a seventh out of M, a seventh out of seven on the road, and a 17th from 14, a 17, a 13th from 14 this season. Can't even read my own writing. Steffi Mavidi had put the visitors in front before Andre Dozel equalised for QPR before half time. But Dozel was sent off just before the hour mark for two bookings in a clash with Abdul Fatawu, and his team could not hang on without him falling to a sixth straight defeat as Gareth Ainsworth's struggling side remained 23rd, and unfortunately since then, Gareth Ainsworth has since been sacked as QPR boss. Sunderland 3, Norwich City 1, potentially another manager going very soon. Norwich boss David Wagner says his players are being mentally affected by their struggles, but believes he is the man to reverse their fortunes. Sunderland came from behind to beat City and end a three-match losing streak, while Norwich have now lost six of their last eight, taking one point from their last five championship games. Wagner did tell BBC Radio Norfolk that it looks like the guys are getting mentally affected by the situation which we face. I absolutely think I can change that. It's my job to do so, and it's my job to find solutions. Huang Iwi Zhou put the visitors ahead with his first Canaries goal, but Trey Hume and Dan Neal turned the game around with two goals in quick succession before half-time. Jack Clark's late penalty after some calamitous defending sealed the win. Watford 2, Millwall 2. Mileta Radjevic scored a 92nd minute equaliser for Watford as they fought to back to seal a championship draw against managerless Millwall. The host took the lead early on, uh, early on courtesy of Yasser Espria, but Watford's lead lasted just five minutes as what Millwall responded. Zion Fleming nodded home for the Lions following some good work from Casper Denor to level the scores. Millwall thought they had won it via another header, this time as George Savile's corner was met by Wes Harding late on, but Radjevic sent home Imran Loser's cross to rescue a point. The result means Watford have stretched their unbeaten run to four games and are 16th in the championship table, while Millwall are two places below them, having missed out on a morale-boosting late victory. And the game that took place on Sunday, Sheffield Wednesday 2, Rotherham United 0. Striker Michael Smith scored twice against former club Rotherham as Sheffield Wednesday ended a 13-game winless run in the championship in a South Yorkshire derby. Smith put the Owls ahead with his second goal of the season, firing in the rebound after keeper Victor Johansson had denied Anthony Masaba. Barry Bannon, whose pass found Masaba to create the chance, was busy for the Owls, and it was his half-cleared cross that George Byers struck a shot over the bar. The Owls doubled their lead when Smith struck again in the 36th minute, tucking the ball beyond Johansson. Josh Windass then tried a speculative effort that faded, while substitute Sebastian Revan wasted a chance for Rotherham when he skied over from close range and then fired wide late on. There was a poignant moment of togetherness for the two rivals when a minute's silence was held before the match for Nottingham Panthers player Adam Johnson, who unfortunately lost his life after an accident in Saturday's Challenge Cup game with Sheffield Steelers. Victory in this derby was a welcome first three points for Wednesday fans who have endured a miserable season so far, and for new head coach Danny Rule, who exceeded Zisco Manoz amid the poor run of form for his first role as the main man. And it's only appropriate that we hear from him now. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, amazing performance on the pitch, but also off the pitch with our fans on our back. Uh, everybody deserved it today. To have the first win, and for me, it was important to give the first win defense because they are the support for the from the fans is are massive. 
at the moment and this is what we need. We need the energy and yeah, it's the first step. Uh, I spoke about the improvement in the last days and you see it today also. We had a lot of good chances in the first half and today we, we earned something for our performance and this is what I like and what we want to do in the future. Tell us how much you enjoyed it out there as well. Yeah, it's, uh, you win a, a derby, it's, uh, it's, every time it's special. And yeah, with the crowd in our back, uh, my family is here. Uh, but the most important uh, thing for us today, get the three points here, have a clean sheet and score goals. How, how pleased are you with the, the reaction of the players and how quickly they seem to have bought into your, your style? Yeah, we spoke about intensity and today everybody was ready to give everything on the pitch. But also, and this is also a big step forward, now we are in the process to also to keep the ball, find solution and all the things we need. It's not about just pressing and high intensity, it's also about keep the ball, find the free spaces and then attack the opponent. Two goals for, for Michael Smith today. How, how pleased are you with, with, with his performance? Obviously, it's what you want to see from your strikers, isn't it? Getting in there and scoring goals. Yeah, uh, this is what we, what we need from our striker. But uh, for me, important is, and it was also a big topic today and yesterday, we had a big squad and we need everybody in the squad to be ready for this. And yeah, I know some players was a little bit disappointed not in the squad, but for the long season, for our process, we need everybody in. And yeah, Michael scored today but also the team on the pitch was ready but also off the pitch and this is what we need uh, we need everybody behind us you mentioned the fans how pleased are you to see their reaction to the to the style of play as well they really bought into the the, the, the pressing style of football that we're playing and it really got the crowd going didn't it yeah i spoke uh, in the press conference about the second wave from the stands and but it's important that we started the first wave on the pitch and then you see okay they will follow us immediately and this is uh, great for a first Hillsborough experience, obviously when you first came here, you, you were looking forward to that first game here today, weren't you? And how much did it mean to you to see the fans responding like they did? Yeah, it's always the, 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 the positive thing if you have the first win here at home in the first match and then you can push a, a lot of things, we can create new energy for the next weeks. We know there comes also a new opponent that will also face us, but today it was einfach nur really, really good and I enjoyed it on the, beside the pitch. Congratulations to Danny Rule there. I certainly hope for all the people that have had any connection to Sheffield that you start to turn things around very soon for the Owls. Right, let's take a look at the championship table. Top of the tree with 39 points from 14 games played sit Leicester City. Five points behind and with still with a game in hand sit Ipswich. The playoffs consists of Leeds United, Southampton, Cardiff and Hull. One point behind still remain Sunderland and Preston despite their dismal run of form. Still just outside the playoffs and one win away are 9th placed West Brom and 10th placed Middlesbrough. At the wrong end of the table there's now still quite a notable gap for the bottom three. Sheffield Wednesday despite picking up their first win do now have 6 points from their opening 14 games but have finally got that first win on the board. Now managerless QPR have got 8 points from 14 games and Rotherham United have 9 points but have got a game in hand. 5 points above them in 21st are Huddersfield Town. At AJ Wakeley & Sons Family Funeral Directors, we know the importance of compassion and integrity. We also know how unfamiliar decisions can be so difficult at a time of family bereavement. We can provide a steadying influence just when you need it, guiding and helping you make the right decisions to reflect the kind of funeral that your loved one deserves. 
Visit our website, www.ajwakely.com, for more information or call Clive Wakely on 01935 479913. Okay, on to League One. And we'll start with Barnsley 2, Fleetwood Town 2. Corey O'Keefe salvaged a late point as Barnsley twice came from behind to draw with Fleetwood. Junior Quintana scored either side of Devante Cole's first leveller before O'Keefe's last gasp effort earned a share of the spoils. Now the game that I was at, which I personally really enjoyed, albeit apart from potentially those that I was sat with. Blackpool 2, Peterborough United 4. Peterborough survived a Blackpool comeback to take the points in an exciting Bloomfield Road encounter. Most certainly was. Kwame Poku put Posh ahead when he fired home Ephraim Mason-Clark's cross, but they missed the chance to double the lead when Mason-Clark saw his penalty saved by Dan Grimshaw after being brought down by Bat Pennington. Blackpool's task became harder when Ollie Casey was dismissed with about 30 seconds of the second half started for bundling over Ricky J. Jones just outside the box, and unfortunately he was the last man. And the visitors added insult to injury when Harrison Burrow netted the resulting free kick. Nicholas Bielikapik denied Sonny Carey twice in quick succession as Blackpool sought a response, but Poku slipped in Jones before the hour for Peter Brisford to seemingly put the game to bed. But the hosts had other ideas as they scored twice in the space of four minutes to set up a grandstand finish as Kenny Dougal headed in before Case, uh, Carey was first to get the rebound when Bela Kapik parried James Husband's shot. Posh held firm, however, and Mason Clark made it 4-2 to put the result beyond doubt in stoppage time with a close-range finish to lift his side up to fourth. Overall, a really, really entertaining game, and as I say, plenty of goals, which I don't always get when I get to watch uh, random uh, games across the EFL pyramid. That being said, unfortunately, a lot of this game was heavily dictated by the uh, mistakes, I shall say, by the referee's whistle. Uh, It was very card-happy and was very uh, free-kick-happy, much to the disdain of Blackpool supporters. Bristol Rovers 2, Northampton Town 1. Life without sacked manager Joey Barson got off to a flying start for Bristol Rovers as Anthony Evans' penalty ultimately secured a win over Northampton at the Memorial. Chris Martin put Rovers in control after 10 minutes with his second goal in two games, beating Lee Burge with the help of a post, with a clever close-range backheeled finish following Aaron Collins' cutback. It was the perfect opening for interim boss Andy Mangan, but Northampton almost equalised soon after with Brentford loanee Matt Cox's fine save denying Sam Shering after he broke clear. Rovers dominated possession and Evans doubled the lead on the half-hour, calmly beating Burge from the penalty spot after the former Sunderland keeper felled Collins. The host looked on course for a comfortable victory, but Emmanuel Mumpf halved the lead after 57 minutes when he nodded in Mitchell Pinnock's free kick. Veteran striker Martin looked to have restored the two-goal cushion when he finished Collins' low cross, but celebrations were cut short by an offside flag before the home defence stood firm in a tense finale. Let's hear from Bristol Rovers interim manager, Andy Mangum. So Andy, what a welcome back to the touchline. Yeah, um, it's, it's difficult really, as you can imagine, because of the, the week that we've had and obviously the close relationship that I've got with Joe. But thank, you know, thankfully it's ended in a win. I thought the lads were, were magnificent. I thought first half we played ever so well. We, uh, they, they stuck to the plan after the first 10 minutes, which were quite nervy. But I thought after the first 10 minutes, I thought we played some really good stuff. Um, I think that's the way we want to play moving forward. Second half, I thought we were a little bit nervy, as you can imagine, after after the last couple of days. Um, 
But loads to build on, if I'm being totally honest. Can we have more of the first half and the second half? Probably. But I think the lads got a little bit nervy. But I have to be honest here as well. The players have been magnificent the last two days because it must have been a real shock. But I have to thank them. I have to thank the staff as well because they've been fantastic. A well-fought victory and a perfect start as well. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's. Listen, you know what? Like I said in the interview previously, performances haven't 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 been bad. We've just been inconsistent. We've we've had some really good performances as the season's panned out. And um, today, I thought we could have been a, little, a few more goals up. If I'm being honest, and um, we should have put them to at least maybe two or three more in the first half. And then what happens is because they get the goal back, lads get a little bit more nervy. But to come away with the two one with the weather, with the onslaught, the lads should be very proud of themselves. A very attacking side. Can we expect more of the same in the future? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the way we've always tried to do it here. But yeah, we want to listen. We want to build. I think you've seen the way we wanted to play first half. We want to pass the ball. We want to. We want to create overloads. We want to get one v one situations on their back line, and we want to get after them. You know, out of possession. So, um, really pleased. Uh, really tough week, uh, but everyone at the club has been so supportive. Um, and let's move forward. Burton Albion nil, Leighton Orient nil. Burton and Leighton Orient ground out a goalless draw in their first ever meeting between the two sides. Separated only by goal difference in the League One table at kickoff, it came as no surprise it was a tight, although overall, drab contest. Cambridge United won, Carlisle United nil. Cambridge ended an eight-game winless run with a narrow victory over nine-man Carlisle at the Abbey. After an uneventful first half, the Ewes went on to dominate the second, and their pressure paid off 17 minutes from time when Liam Bennett's cross was headed home by George Thomas, eight minutes after his arrival as a substitute. The away side had missed a big chance to take the lead inside the first two minutes when Jack Armour pulled the ball back to Danny Butterworth, who could only shoot far wide of the far post. Things only got worse for Jack Armour as he was sent off for a second bookable offence on the 83rd minute and to compile insult for injury, Alfie McCalmont getting a straight red in the 92nd minute for Carlisle. Charlton Athletic nil, Bolton Wanderers 2. Bolton chalked up a third straight away league win as they defeated Charlton at the Valley. Ian Everts' side took the lead in the 16th minute through Randall Williams's fine curling effort from the edge of the penalty area his left-footed strike clipping in off the inside of the left post. Bolton made it 2-0 eight minutes later when Dion Charles lashed in from close range from Josh Dacris Coadley's pass for his 10th goal of the campaign. Exeter City won, Lincoln City won. Exeter ended a run of six straight defeats thanks to Ryan Trevitt's late equaliser against Lincoln at St James's. Exeter looked nervous early on, and after 20 minutes, their failure to clear a long throw cost them, as Will Ameson's missed header allowed Pordy O'Connor to cross, and Alistair Smith fired into the roof of the net from 10 yards. Exeter responded with their best chances coming on the stroke of half-time. Dimitri Mitchell slipped the ball through to Admiral Musqui, who fired wide with only Lucas Jensen to beat, and then James Scott missed a glorious chance when he misconnected with a deep cross, and Jensen saved here with his header. Exeter were much improved after the break, although Sean Ruffin smashed the ball against the crossbar for the Imps when he should have scored from a counter-attack. But the home pressure finally told with it as deserved equaliser in the 81st minute when Mitchell picked out Trevitt and the Brentford Loney headed in from eight yards. Mitchell then missed a great chance of his own to win it as he shot wide after being played in on goal, but despite plenty of late pressure, Exeter could not get the winning goal they deserved on the balance of play. 
Oxford United 2, Wickham Wanderers 2. Cameron Brannigan's stoppage time penalty salvaged a point for promotion chasing Oxford after local rivals Wickham at the Kassam. In a dramatic match featuring three second-half penalties, substitute Brangham put away the crucial final spot kick in the sixth minute of time added on after Luke Leahy had tripped Mark Harris just inside the area. Furious Oxford box Liam Manning had earlier been shown a red card by referee Sebastian Stockbridge after Wanderers came from behind to lead thanks to two contested spot kicks. Ruben Rodriguez fired in the using in front in the 25th minute with a volley first-time finish from Marcus McGuane's cutback. Wickham levelled 11 minutes into the second half when Leahy planted his penalty into the bottom right corner after McGuane had slipped inside the box and his hand knocked the ball. Wickham turned the game on its head when Brandon Hamlin drew a foul from keeper James Meebel on 81 minutes. And Leahy stepped up to convert his second penalty in almost the same place. But Oxford were not to be denied as Brannigan made no mistake deep into stoppage time. Port Vale won. Cheltenham Town too! Cheltenham manager Daryl Clark made a winning return to former club Port Vale as his team moved off the bottom of League One. A brace from captain Sean Long secured the Robins just their second victory of the season and extended the Valiant's winless league run to eight matches. Reading 2, Portsmouth 3. League leaders Portsmouth extended their unbeaten run with a hard-earned victory at struggling Reading. Former Glover Lewis Wing and Charlie Savage had given Reading a shock lead with two goals in the space of four minutes midway through the first half. Tino Andrian, on loan from Chelsea, reduced the deficit before top scorer Colby Bishop levelled things up at 2 all in the ninth minute of first half stoppage time. Terry Devlin then struck home what proved to be the winner just before the hour. Portsmouth went into the game having not lost in the league since mid-March last season, while the relegation-threatened Royals saw around 2,000 supporters stay a pre-match protest against Chinese owner Dai Yong. The protesters, uh, the protests from the Sell Before We Die group carried on when the game was briefly delayed twice during the opening stages after tennis balls were thrown onto the pitch, prompting an announcement the match would be abandoned if it continued. Reading had stunned the visitors with goals in the 23rd and 27th minute through Criff's finishes from first wing and then Savage. But Andrian tucked home a cross from Paddy Lane soon after and, in the stoppage time added on for the protests, Bishop knocked in his ninth league goal of the season. Pompey grew frustrated early in the second period with head coach John Massinho receiving a yellow card for his comments before Devlin eased his worries with a clinical strike after Bishop's clever nod down at the far post. Let's hear from Reading boss Ruben Sellers. Well, Ruben, commiserations at a sort of end-to-end -end game at times. Defeated here against Portsmouth. What's your reflections? Well, we went 2-0 up in the game. Uh, I think we were, we made the game that we wanted. Uh, being very, very focused on the defensive moment in the medium block, and then going to the counter in the first part of the game, we scored the two goals. Uh, we should keep the lead to the until the end of the first half. Uh, we have the chance to go to go 3-1. We didn't make it, and then in the last second of the first half, we just conceded. And I think it was a, a, that was hard to accept uh, in the dressing room because we thought that we can uh, make it a little bit better. The third goal it was just a game changer for us. We just decided to go with the two strikers. We have the situations to equalize, and we didn't. So performance was there. I think we still can uh, be better in uh, a lot of turns, but uh, I think we did uh, everything to get at least one point. It was a game against the. Against the league leaders, they're going very well this season. It's one of those small consolations, I suppose, to, to give them such a good game, but the result is the frustration, isn't it, tonight? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, we know that we, we have been competitive and we know we are competitive and we can compete against any team. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's in the, in the top of the league or the bottom of the team. We just need to be consistent. We just we cannot waste more time. We need to get it and get it now. And you mentioned the word ruthless quite a lot in, in interviews, really. I mean, I suppose yeah, you mentioned you had a chance at 2-1 to make it 3 and, and then the way their goal's gone in, it's a, that's the frustration as a manager, isn't it? Absolutely. I think uh, I think we were doing the work that we want to do. I think we have the chances. Even with the 2-3 down, we have uh, chances to score the equalise. And it's not a 50-50 chance or situations one against one with the goalkeeper. And uh, even the, the, the one for the 3-1 is an open goal. But it's not there for us. It's we are not getting it and we need to fight. The only persons that are going to get it uh, forward is ourselves. And that's it, isn't it? That's the... The, the hard part, when you're feeling down, when the results aren't going your way, you have to just dig deeper, right? Absolutely. We just need to stick together and then uh, just continue growing, pushing each other forward, continue being competitive, continue putting performance together and then even more ruthless with the moments in our box to defend it, in the opposition box to score it. We've got a week before our next game, we're going to play uh, in the FA Cup, so yeah, a good, good chance to get on the training ground and keep, keep pushing, right? Yeah, we are going to try to get our best and hopefully we can get back on track uh, in the cup and get a good uh, and build a good momentum after. Stevenage 3, Derby County 1. Jordan Roberts's first half strike and the late goal from Kane Hemmings sealed victory for Stevenage over Derby. Stevenage's first victory in four games lifted them up to sixth in the League One table, but a second straight away defeat for the Rams saw some of their fans call for the removal of manager Paul Warren. Stevenage went ahead in the 32nd minute when a 25-yard free kick was teed up for Roberts, whose thumping effort flashed past keeper Joe Wildsmith. Derby responded six minutes later when Nathaniel Mendes-Lang made the most being left unattended at the near post to slot in an equaliser. Stevenage, though, restored their lead with the final kick of the first half when Alex McDonald's free kick flew past Wildsmith despite the Rams keeper getting a touch. A notable victory for the hosts when they secured with six minutes remaining when Luther James Wildin's low ball allowed uh, a cross allowed Hemmings to notch his first goal for Stevenage from close range. And finally, Wigan Athletic 2, Shrewsbury Town, nil. Goals in either side from Stephen Humphreys and Callum Lang gave Wigan a third 2-0 uh, win in the space of a week as 10-man Shrewsbury was seen off in comfortable fashion at the DW. The visitors had been on the back foot for the entire game after seeing former Wigan centre-back Che Dunkley, facing his old club for the first time since leaving in the summer of 2020, sent off inside four minutes for hauling down Thilo Asgard on the edge of the box. After that, it was only ever a question of when, and not if, Wigan would break through. So, let's take a look at the League One table. Well, Portsmouth still remain top of the tree with 35 points from 15 games played. One game less, but six points adrift, are second-placed Oxford United. Level on 29 points as well are now third-placed Bolton Wanderers. Peterborough's win against Blackpool moves them up to fourth position with 28 points from 15 games played, overtaking fifth-placed Barnsley. Stevenage taking up the final playoff spot and have played more games than anyone else in the playoffs. At the wrong end of the table, we actually have a new team uh, sat at the bottom. Unfortunately, it's 24th placed Reading, with six points from 14 games played. Good news for Cheltenham Town, of course, as despite their horrible start to the season, have now got eight points and have got two wins on the board, 23rd place and still six points clear of safety. 
Fleetwood Town in 22nd place with 12 points, having played 14 games. Carlisle dropping into the bottom four for the first time in this season, I believe, with 14 points from 16 games played. Level on points with Northampton and Wigan Athletic as they moved out of the bottom four for the first time in quite some time with 14 points from 14 games played. Of course, always got to take a slight pinch of salt on the points that uh, Wigan do have with that 10-point deduction. Even so, still at the wrong end of the table. So, with that in mind, let's move on to League 2. And we'll start with Accrington Stanley nil, Colchester United 1. Managerless Colchester made it back-to-back wins as Joe Taylor's strike secured victory over inform Accrington. The U sacked Ben Gardner five days ago and have since chalked up two victories, while promotion chasing Stanley's four-game winning streak comes to an end. Barrow nil, Salford City nil. Barrow extended their unbeaten home record in the league to six games following a goalless draw with Salford. The Cumbrians went closest to breaking the deadlock after only 11 minutes when Don Telford, who scored his first goal for the club in midweek at Forest Green, struck a post. Doncaster Rovers 1, Grimsby Town 0. A Joe Ironside penalty was the difference as Doncaster triumphed 1-0 in a tight contest against Grimsby. Ironside smashed home from the spot on 72 minutes after substitute Carl Hurst was brought down by Gavin Holohan. There's been very little between the two sides for the majority of the contest, with both struggling for a sustained possession. Harry Clifton headed over the bar from a great position as Grimsby started the brighter. Ironside was picked out by Tom Nixon in an excellent position, but fired over before Doncaster keeper Lewis Jones made an excellent save to keep out Holderhand's low drive. Danny Rose struck the inside of a post early in the second half for Grimsby, while Ironside flicked a header from Jack Senior's cross. After Ironside gave Rovers the lead, 18 minutes from time, it was Doncaster who had the better of the opportunities. Hurst drilled into the side netting at the end of a breakaway while Owen Bailey rattled the bar with a first-time effort from a corner. And what was very interesting following the end of this game is actually Grimsby Town manager Paul Hurst was dismissed there and then at the end of the Doncaster match. You'll see videos online where they didn't actually return on the team bus going back to Grimsby from Doncaster and um, because they basically sacked him on the spot after that. What's really interesting is instead of having Paul Hurst go to the media following this match, Jason Stockwood, Grimsby Town chairman, actually stood in and took it. And we actually have access to that interview now. Incredibly interesting stuff. Jason, you're obviously here instead of Paul for a reason. Yeah, um, really sad day actually, John. I feel really, really gutted about this. But we decided, you know, to make a change in the management team, Paul uh, and Chris. I guess the first thing I'd like to say is go on record and thanking them. You know, we've been amazing couple of years since we came in in late 21. And the way we got out of the National League, the FA Cup and the highest league position in 17 years is, is a real source of pride. And you know, they go down in the history of the football club indelibly. But you know, unfortunately, we've been looking at the data, we've been looking at the way we're performing for the last six weeks actually. So this isn't a snap decision, but it's sat here, you know, Andrew and I have been talking at length for the last couple of weeks in particular. And um, yeah, there's just sometimes you can look at data and you can look at performances. Performances haven't been bad, but ultimately there's something that isn't in the data that tells us that um, yeah, we're not getting the degree, so we feel like it's time to turn the page. How tempted were you just to see it out? I mean, you know, as you said, they've not been playing that badly, but you've been looking at it. Is the actual data you're looking at and the other thing? Yeah, no, so to, to the data, in my performance of the group is, 
is, is, is not bad, you know, but actually underlying performance doesn't equate to points in the league, right? And we're in a, we're in a, a challenging position. I feel confident that we've got the right players in the team, we've got enough quality there, but there's something not quite working. And there has to come a point where you go, you know, we need to change our own look somehow. We can't just hope for the look to change for itself. So you know, at some point you've got to take a decision and, and try and, and change it up to make a decision itself. So uh, but the data is telling us that we've got some quality there, but the, uh, the league tells you to take it tell us something different right now. So what next then? I mean, first of all, how did Paul take it? Well, look, you know, as you can imagine, Paul is a man of incredible integrity, honesty, and Obviously disappointed, we're obviously saddened by it, but uh, you know, we wish them Chris all the best wishes for the future. And what now? Have you got somebody lined up? Uh, not at the moment, no. So I think it would be disrespectful to Chris and Paul to have had that decision. We, think, you know, we, we came here today hoping to get a result and hoping to kick on next weekend against Slough and the FA Cup, so I think that would be disrespectful. We've been working in the background to think about how we approach the next few weeks. We've got a very clear plan. Um, we'll talk about that in the next couple of days. Now is not the time for that. I think it's just a respectful Christmas call. We've got a plan. We're going to have to certainly no one lined up today, but you know, we're thoughtful about, you know, this is this is the next chapter for we town want to think about. So making the right decision about the good decisions going forward. So what happens now? Who's in charge? So we've got a, a meeting with the, the coaching team tomorrow morning. I think we've got a good set of lads there that can um, keep things ticking over for the next few days. We're going to speak to them in the morning, but again, we want to speak to Chris and Paul first. Uh, Debbie's having that conversation with the coaching team now, and we'll regroup with them in the morning, and then I'll be at Cheapside first thing, Monday with the, with the players and the staff, and we'll make that decision then. No rush. Again, today's about being respectful for Chris and Paul, uh, and then we'll, we'll get to group tomorrow morning and we'll make this one. These are planned. Chris and Paul leave, everybody else stay. Interesting times for Grimsby there. Forest Green Rovers 2, Crawley Town 1. Forest Green moved three points clear of the relegation zone with a 2-1 comeback victory over Crawley. A Callum Morton double cancelled out Ronan Darcy's opener to give Rovers only a second home win of the season. Gillingham nil, Newport County 2. Newport ended their four-game winless streak in the league to dent Gillingham's promotion push. The visitors led early through two Omar Bogle penalties, the first conceded after he was fouled by keeper Jake Turner before Matty Bonswell was shoved off the ball by Che Alexander. Connor Mahoney was unlucky to not pull one back when he hit the crossbar, and Johnny Williams had another great chance for the Jills, but was denied by Shane McLaughlin's fantastic sliding tackle. Harrogate Town nil, Crew Alexander one. Crew racked up their first back-to-back away victory since August 2021. After Zach Williams's first half goal secured a narrow triumph at Harrogate, Williams's effort condemned the sorry Sulphurites to a fifth straight home defeat, which represents their worst sequence as an EFL outfit. Mansfield Town 2, Walsall 1. Mansfield's un- extended their remarkable start of the season to 19 games unbeaten in all competitions after a narrow League 2 home win over Walsall. The home side went ahead after 16 minutes. A combination of keeper Owen Evans and the crossbar kept out Aidan Flint's first header from a George Maris corner. In the scramble that followed, Davis Keeler-Dunn had a shot blocked before Flint fired the ball home at the third time of asking. 
Maros had a good effort to deflect just wide, while after 37 minutes, Evans had to go down to his left to keep out a Davis Keeler Dunn finish as well that was fired across from a narrow angle on the left. Aaron Lewis sent a great chance over from 12 yards with two minutes of the restart. But with their first shot on target of the game, the Saddlers were level after 52 minutes. Former Glover Tom Knowles drove down the right and crossed low for Ryan Sturk to finish from 12 yards against his former club. However, Jordan Bowery won it for Mansfield after 71 minutes with a first-time finish from Will Swan's left-wing cross that fanned the net off the inside of the post. MK Dons 3, Swindon Town 2. MK Dons made it back-to-back wins as they defeated Swindon 3-2 at Stadium MK. Max Dean's goal had the Dons ahead after half-time, but substitute Jake Young equalised after the break for Swindon. Warren O'Hara and George McEachran's own goal saw the hosts take the points, although Flazerbrake Tracy's last-minute reply meant they had to survive a very late scare. Morecambe 4, AFC Wimbledon 1. Michael Mellon's second-half hat-trick helped Morecambe to a 4-1 win against AFC Wimbledon. The on-loan Burnley striker, son of Oldham boss Mickey Mellon, was clinical in front of goal as the Shrimps moved into the playoff spots in League 1. His first came 28 seconds into the second half when, after being played in by Jordan Slew, he showed a calm head to round Alex Bass and score from a tight angle. The Shrimps doubled their advantage five minutes later with a sloppy own goal as Bass looked to clear the ball into his own six-yard box but saw his clearance hit Joe Lewis and rebound into his own net. Mellon made it 3-0 from the penalty spot after Omar Begil had been brought down at JJ McKiernan in the box and Amani Little reduced the arrears after 72 minutes with a well-placed effort from the edge of the box and went close again with two shots that were blocked by Farrant Rawson. But Mellon sealed the match ball with a goal two minutes from time after Bass had saved well from Max Melbourne. Stockport County 2, Tramia Rovers 0. Table-topping Stockport broke two club records as they defeated 10-man Tramia. Goals from Isaac Alofe and Anthony Sarsevich meant Dave Chandler's men secured a 10th straight league victory and their 11th on the spin in all competitions. Where have we heard that from, Glover's fans? Mm, who else has got 10 straight victories? Sutton United 2, Bradford City 1. Harry Buterman's first league goal since the opening day fired Sutton to victory over Bradford. Matt Gray's charges ended a three-game losing streak thanks to Buterman's 87th-minute winner at Gander Green Lane. Josh Coley had put the hosts ahead in the fourth minute before Andy Cook ended a four-game goal drought. And finally, the big one really for those of us that were remembering the National League last year, Notts County nil. Wrexham 2. Goals from Elliot Lee and Ollie Palmer within four second-half minutes gave Wrexham victory against promotion rivals Notts County. Lee broke the deadlock in the 73rd minute with a clinical strike after both sides saw a glut of chances saved or go to waste. Palmer added a second from close range as the visitors took control. The win put Wrexham level on 30 points with second-place County, five points behind leaders Stockport. Our final interview of the night, and we will hear from Notts County boss, Luke Williams. Then Luke, appreciate you coming straight out. Fine margins? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm not disappointed with any of the players. I'm really not. I think the level of the opposition is so high, um, you know, that you can, you have to play extremely well to even be in a game with Wrexham. But I thought we played overall pretty well. It was, it was difficult to make really clear openings because they defend so well. And in the end, I think probably one goal between the two teams is probably, either way, is probably fair. 
we know from last season there's just so much respect between Notts County Football Club and Wrexham and it seemed in the first half there was a lot of respect both ways as well out on the pitch. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know both both sides would be naive to not respect each other because the, the both the both the teams have played at a very high level for you know well over a year now so we have to show respect and I think we've earned that from them and they've earned that from us. Just quickly something we couldn't commentate on because we didn't know what happened. They were forced into a late change and Bentoza coming into the side. He wasn't in the 18 to start with. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Um, but, yeah, uh, something happened probably in the warm-up and they needed to make a change and they made the, you know made a change, so no worries. So presumably at 2 o'clock you were thinking, oh, we're not going to be contending with long throws and then suddenly you were? No, I think, I think they have other options for the long throws as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, listen, we prepared like that. You know, we, we know that there's a... There's plenty of players in the squad that can make a long throw in and it's a tool they like to use, so we try to prepare for that. And, uh, yeah, whatever happened is something that they know and we don't, and there's no problem. Lovely ball in for McCauley midway through the first half. Was that probably your clearest chance on the day? Yeah, I think so, and, uh, you know, he doesn't miss very often, does he? So I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not going to criticise McCauley. Um, but I think, you know, the, the, the chances, uh, open chances are at a premium. And I think both their goals are not like completely open chances. One is a big deflection and one goes through through Aidan's legs and uh, probably uh, caught Slokes out. Um, I don't think there was too many clear openings either way. No, it was just sucker punch, wasn't it? One-two like against Mansfield. Yeah, yeah, it was a, a massive blow, hammer blow. So, you know, I think the game was so tight, it was it was always going to be, one, you know, a goal either way. And uh, in the end, I think, yeah, two... 2-0 is probably a little bit harsh on us, but I think 1-0 either way would have been would have been respectable. Matty Palmer had to come off through injury, how is he? I don't know yet. Um, it's you know, it's the, uh, disappointing because you, when you know Matty's coming off, it's something that he needs to come off because he's so robust. Um, but then he's, he's very quick to recover from setbacks, so hopefully it's nothing major. Two weeks before the next league match, is, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Yeah, I mean, we have a few players coming back, so probably overall is, is a good thing. But, um, yeah, we need, to, we need to just lick our wounds and, and get back to trying to win games. Fantastically respectful there from Luke Williams, I do say so myself. Looking at the League 2 table now, Stockport County still remain top of the tree, 35 points from 16 games played. Five points adrift, but now both level on points and level on goal difference. Second placed Notts County, third placed Wrexham. Mansfield, despite still being unbeaten, remain are in fourth place with 29 points, level on points with fifth placed Crew Alexander. Morecambe have moved into the playoffs with a uh, with sixth place, despite playing two games less than the teams around them with 27 points. If things go entirely their way and have two wins from two, they could be above Notts County and Wrexham. But, because they aren't, 27 points is where they currently find themselves. The final playoff spot is taken by Accrington Stanley on 26 points from 16 games. At the wrong end of the table, two teams on 10 points, Tranmere Rovers and Sutton United. Three points clear and have moved out of the relegation zone, I think, for some weeks now. Forest Green Rovers. They're still at the wrong end, Grimsby Town dropping to 21st. Little surprise, really, to see Paul Hurst lose his job off the back of that, unfortunately. And Colchester, following their two wins in quick succession, have moved up to 20th position. And with that, that brings us to the end of this week's EFL review and the end of the EFL review 
as you know it. Now, don't worry, the EFL review isn't going anywhere. What we're doing is we're slightly changing formats. Outside of uh, covering for the world's favourite local radio station, I actually have a new job. I will be just starting as a university lecturer this month. As a result, my time is going to be slightly changed, and I don't entirely know whether I'm going to be able to dedicate the same level of work that we do into the current EFL format. But never fear, the programme will still remain, and it will still be me, and you get to hear my dulcet tones of whinging about which former Glover has done very well in the EFL over the last couple of weeks. What we're going to do over the next couple of months is we're going to change to a monthly format, a big bumper episode every single month, talking about all the excitement that took place in the Championship, League One and League Two. That's goals, controversies, exciting matches, managerial departures, and of course, transfers in and out as time goes on, and be able to really review the table and do a proper review of each of the month. If we find that time has become a little bit more... uh, Grateful to me and a little bit more accessible, we'll return to Once a Week where we get to enjoy the EFL review just as you currently see it. So it might not be gone forever, we're just slightly changing tact. So, until then, it's been lovely listening. Thank you so much for being a part of this current version of the EFL review, and I will see you very, very soon. Until then, have a great time. Thank you very much for listening, and goodbye.